huge privilege. And uh, then at our church, I got involved in men's ministry. Now I'm the men's team lead. I love to disciple men, so that's a lot of fun, discipling men and spending time with men and doing a 6 o'clock Thursday morning Bible study. It is, it is rich. It is good. Uh, thank God for that. And then Jenny's been making progress with the functional doctor, which has always been on her list and on her prayer list. And anyway, so huge uh, uh, movement forward. She's eating more food. Some of that she's not happy with, but we won't go there. But anyway, she's eating more food. When we lived here, she, she ate eight different foods every day. So it was the same thing. And, and anyway, just struggled health-wise. And so praise the Lord, making progress there. And then she got her RN license back. And then our hospice has always had a hard time finding the weekend on-call nurse because nobody wants to do that. And so she got hired to do that. And typically it's not a lot of work, though every once in a while she gets called out in the middle of the night, which is not fun. So far this weekend, I don't think she's gotten a call. So thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that she hasn't gotten a call this weekend. But she's a problem solver, and sometimes people just need pain medication or whatever. But it's huge for her as far as having purpose, and she has a huge heart for people. And so it's really cool that we both get to be Jesus to people at the end of life. And it's amazing to me how many people don't know the real Jesus or don't have grace down clear what it means to be ready for heaven. So it's a, it's a, it's a real privilege to enter into their lives and people will open up. And, and so uh, thank you so much for praying for us. And uh, um, some of you are asking about my Lyme disease. I think I'm going to make it. So I told Jenny, I said, if I lose this leg, I want the real cool prosthetic, you know, that'll make me run faster, jump higher. She said, you're not going to lose your leg. It's, it was right here. I was hiking at the Buffalo River. If you ever want to come over and hang out, we'll hang out. If you want to go to the Buffalo River and go hiking, I'm all in. So come over. We'll go hiking. Um, anyway, so you got to come over and visit. Love for you to come over and hang out and visit. We don't have room for you, but we'll hang out. So <laughs> right now we have an apartment. We're praying about a house, but the market has gone crazy. So anyway, um, and I'm not doing the lottery, so I guess maybe I'll just have to trust in God. And, but really, that's our story, isn't it? He, and he's worthy of our trust. And uh, I'm sorry, the notes, I sent notes, but I'm an Apple guy, so who knows what happened. But anyway, we're, we're going to hear from God through his word, so it's, it's going to be good. So um, anyway, uh, if, if you're like me, um, I've had my identity stolen a few times. How many of you have had your identity stolen? Doesn't that drive you crazy? I bought a bunch of stuff in Brooklyn, New York when I was living in Enid, and I was not in Brooklyn, and they bought stupid stuff. I'm like, I would never buy that stuff. But, you know, it was just so frustrating because you feel violated, you know, and it's just like it makes you feel insecure, and, you, and then you start kind of worrying about well, who's next, and, and that's happened more than once. Somebody stole my identity. Then you got to deal with this huge mess and, you know, clean up this problem, and, uh, and it just kind of, it's a huge distraction. It saps your energy. It saps your focus. And, uh, but anyway, that's just a physical illustration. But a bigger problem is spiritual identity theft. Spiritual identity theft is a real problem because Satan is a liar. He's a murderer. He's a thief. He's a deceiver. He wants to rob you of all the good things that God has in store for you. Everything that he promised in his word is true, and it's yes and amen in Jesus. So, so Satan wants you to rob you of everything that God has in store for you. And he has good things in store for you. He wants to rob you of understanding the true identity of God, that he is good, that he's full of grace, he's full of mercy, and he comforts hurting people, and he is just, and he is wise, and he is faithful. 
And he wants to rob you of your identity in Christ. So a few minutes, I want to share with you some of my favorite identity statements from the Bible. It may be new for you, and it may be a reminder. Either way, God's going to speak through his word. But if you had notes, this is my thesis. <laughs> my thesis would be this, and if you want to write in your bulletin somewhere, um, you are who you are because of whose you are. That's the most important thing is is whose you are, whose you are. Um, and I've got a whole bunch of them. I can't do all the identity statement. But isn't, isn't it amazing to think that Jesus in his death, burial, and resurrection on the cross paid your sin debt. He bought you. He owns you. He cares for you. He's going to take care of you because he owns you. You are who you are because of whose you are. Now, when we talk about identity, we're really talking about the core of who you are. Now, I, I am a husband, I'm a dad, I'm a hospice chaplain, I'm a friend, I'm a hiker, a pickleball player sometimes, um, sports junkie. But at my core, I am who God tells me I am. Because I can lose my job, I can lose my health, I can lose money, I can lose friends, I can lose hopes and dreams. But you can never lose Jesus. You can never lose Jesus, the hope in Jesus, the reality of Jesus. So you, when we talk about identity, we're talking about where you get a sense of, of who you are, a sense of self and a sense of worth. And, and everybody's shopping for an identity. How many of you have ever worn an article of clothing because you want somebody to accept you or like you? I'm wearing whatever. I'm wearing the jersey. I've got friends who are diehard cowboy fans. That, that, that's a suffering journey. But anyway... Uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, there are people who get their identity from their sports team. They get it from their job. That's where they get their sense of worth, their identity. I, I'm, I'm married or I have kids. Um, but all that can change in a heartbeat. All of it can change in a heartbeat. So that's why we have to have this solid core in Christ, this security in Christ that is rock solid no matter what happens in society, in the world. I am in Christ and Christ is in me. That is critical to get it nailed down and to be solid and secure in Christ. So now, here we are in a, in a world now that says you can be whatever you want. You can determine your own identity and whatever. I mean, we got, we've got confusion left and right. So we have to go to the Word and let God speak for, forward to us and tell us who we are in Christ. Now, let me answer the why question really quick. Why are we going to study this? Uh, number one, when the foundation is shaky, everything's shaky. When the foundation is shaky, everything gets shaken. Uh, Neil Anderson says you cannot fight sin and temptation if you don't know who you are in Christ. You're going you're gonna to get defeated. You're going to get sucked in. Uh, i got a friend, Steve Ward, who's a professional uh, trained psychologist and a pastor in his 70s. And we were sitting down and talking. He said he thinks uh, knowing your identity in Christ is the most important part of your discipleship. It's the most important thing about the way you live your life and the choices that you make on a daily basis is knowing who you are in Christ. Now, the false self gets its identity from what we do. I grew up with a performance mentality, and if I was doing great, then I felt great. When I wasn't doing great, then I didn't feel great. You know, I felt like a, a failure. Uh, and also, if people are liking you, uh, I wish I could go back and start over. I was a big-time people pleaser, wanted everybody to like me, so, I'm, so then you're not living a true life and, and, and a true identity. 
Um, so I hope you're here for a while because we're going to study 197 verses from Paul in his writings in his epistles where he uses the phrase in Christ. So everybody ready? Did you have your coffee? Did you have your breakfast? Because we're here for a while. No, we're not going to do it. Uh, I don't know who counted that, but 100, so this is important. Anything that gets repeated, every word in the Bible is important, but when something gets repeated, we ought to go, okay, let's pay attention. This is, this is important. So I'm going to start with a couple of my favorites. If you'll turn with me to John chapter 1, verses 12 through 13. If you had notes, you, your first one you would write down is, I am a child of God. I am a child of God. I am a child of God. I say this, everybody, uh, most everybody has a physical family, but everybody needs a spiritual family. That's why this church is so important. Christ is here. He's the head of this church. And, and everybody needs a spiritual family. Everybody needs a, a spiritual support system. And I am a child of God. In John chapter 1, verses 12 through 13, uh, Jesus is just... Uh, told us that he came to his own and they did not receive him. If, if, you, if you're like me, I've been through rejection in life. If you've been rejected in life, Jesus understands. Jesus understands. He was rejected by his own. In verse 12, he says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right or the privilege to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And, and this church is praying for you. I'm praying, I'm praying that you know that you're a child of God. When I was 10 years old, I realized I was a sinner. I was convicted by the Holy Spirit. I, I needed to repent of my sin and ask Jesus to save me. And he did that for me. I wasn't expecting it. God loves to surprise us. He loves to save people who will just say, yes, I agree with you. I'm a sinner and I ask you to save me. I want to be your child. I want to be a part of the family of God. You're in the right place if you've never done that. That's God's desire. So he says, but as many as received him. So when we talk about identity, this is the simple illustration. Just open up your hands, open up your life. Open to receive. Identity in Christ is something that is received, it's not achieved. It's something received, it's not achieved. The whole world runs on performance and what you achieve. You're in, you're out. You know, it's amazing. Only one team can win the Super Bowl. So does that mean everybody else is a loser? I mean, so the whole world runs on performance and what you achieve. And, but Christianity, Jesus opens up his arms to children and lepers and prostitutes that come on in. I want to I save you and heal you and bring you into the family. So this is family language, which I love. Salvation, God gets his family back. And, and, and what, a, what a beautiful thing it is when somebody says yes to Jesus and you become a part of the family of God and become a child of God. This is not through uh, a natural birth, not by blood, not by the will of the flesh, nor the will of... It's all from God. And aren't you glad it's all from God? From beginning to end, it's all God saying, I want you in the family. J.I. Packer, if you ever get a chance to read Knowing God, it is a classic that you must spend time reading. It'll be a rich read for you. He says, if you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity... Find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means that he does not understand Christianity very well at all. 
The Lord's Prayer. I, I get up every morning, I pray the Lord's Prayer in Psalm 23, start the day, and it starts with our Father who art in heaven. And what that means, our Father who is everywhere, ever present, that doesn't mean He's separated, you know. He's right here with us right now, which is good news that He's with us by His Spirit. Uh, I am a child of God. Your identity is received, it's not achieved. So you can lay down all your weapons and all your self-effort and trying to prove yourself and get everybody to like you and just say, thank you, Jesus. I'm accepted in Christ, and now I'm a part of the family of God. Number two, I am adopted by God. If you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1, we'll, we'll do Ephesians, then we'll go back to John in just a minute. But Ephesians chapter 1, as I keep studying, and I'm still learning, this... Uh, Doctrine of adoption just becomes richer and richer. In Ephesians 1, 3 through 6. Ephesians 1, 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love having predestined us to adoption, adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, by which He made us accepted in the Beloved. Now, when you go back to Roman times and they adopted, when they adopted somebody, they had a whole new legal status, had a whole new name had a whole new inheritance. When, when that Roman culture, when you were adopted, now you had all the, the rights and privileges of an adult child. Your inheritance is in Christ, and you are His inheritance, which is uh, another verse. So in this verse, it says we're chosen, adopted, pre-planned to be adopted as sons and daughters by Jesus Christ to Himself according to the good pleasure of His will. I underline that. Because everybody needs to know that our God is a happy God. Why does He do what He does? Because it's His pleasure. It makes Him happy. How many of you really believe that God was happy when He saved you? God was happy when He made you. God was happy when He made zebras. God was happy when He made mountains. He was happy when He made peacocks. He was happy when He made cattle. Thank Lord for hamburgers and cheeseburgers. Our God is a happy God. He's a good God. Satan has robbed us of this idea that God's a good God. Sin has corrupted everything. Now everything in the world is broken. Every system in the world is broken. And there's confusion and, there's, and the world's being run by fear. And God's a happy God. He loves to save and He wants us to be made whole and He wants us to be made strong and He wants us to be secure and stable. We get that from Christ. And you, and you see at the end of verse 6, he did this. He made us accepted into the beloved. And God has to help us to understand and appreciate that, that you right now, if you're in Christ, are fully accepted in Christ, fully loved in Christ. You might think, well, if I get this better and I do this better and I get my act together, then I'll be... No, right in the middle of it. Now think about it this way. God demonstrated his love for you while you were still a sinner and he died for you. Now think with me for a minute. Track with me. If he loved you that much while you were still a sinner and he went ahead and died for you and bought you, 
before when you were a sinner, how much more does he love you now that you're his child, now that you're family? It's wild, isn't it? If, if God will just help us to appreciate that and come to understand that we're accepted in the beloved. Let me give you a one example of how this changes relationships because everything God does in us, he wants to do through us uh, out to others and to the world. So turn to Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. give you one example here. How uh, our new identity, our new status, how it transforms our thinking and our relationships. In Ephesians 5, 1 says, Therefore be imitators of God as, what do you have in your Bible? Be imitators of God as what? Beloved children, dear children, even if you're 70, that's still precious, isn't it? You're 80, that you're still a, a loved child of God. Always. And then he goes on to say, and now walk in love. That's, that word walk is used throughout the Bible as a disciple of Jesus. Now we're walking out this new life in Christ. We're walking out the word. We're walking in a relationship. Walk or live this out in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. When, when you get your identity from Christ and you're loving God and you're loving each other, it's, it's, it's wafting up to God and God is smiling. He smiles on this church. When we're, when we're loving each other, sacrificing for each other, praying for he just smiles and he receives that. Now we're defined as beloved. And this new status and this new identity impacts the way we love each other and the way we live our lives. I'm a big definition guy. Dr. Jim Wilder says, one definition of a mature follower of Christ is this. Are you ready for it? Hold on tight. You love your enemies. If you say, I'm spiritually mature, I'm following Christ, a definition of a mature believer, that means you love your enemies. How many of you would say that's supernatural? That, that has to be a work of God. I don't want to. I want them to suffer. But now, because we're in Christ and because we're so accepted, because we're so loved, he helps us to love our enemies. That means we will their good. We pray for blessing that God will do something, that they'll understand how loved they are. But on the other side of that, let me just say very briefly, if you've been hurt by somebody, would you just say, God, I've been hurt. Would you heal my wounds and heal my heart? I don't want to be bitter I don't want to live in unforgiveness because we've all been wounded. We've all been hurt by somebody or something. So we need to ask God, God, would you do a real work of healing in my heart? Heal my memories. I don't want to be stuck in the past. I don't want to walk around as a wounded orphan. I want to, be, I want to live as an adopted son of the Most High God. And I need help to do that. We need each other to be able to do that is supernatural. He wants us to be a supernatural community of love and forgiveness, and we live in the most divisive time in history. Maybe it is, and I don't know, but this is where I live. May we be salt and light and show the love of Christ and be a supernatural community. We get our life from Christ, and then, then we're so whole. And, well, now we can go love lost people and hurting people and messed up people and people who are different from us. We're not afraid of that. We don't live in fear. I've got to move on. Number three, I am a friend of Jesus. John 15, I am a friend of Jesus. I grew up moving around a lot every year and a half, two years. And coming here and being your pastor for 23 years was one of the greatest privileges of my life. I made friends here. thought I'd be here forever. And uh, in John chapter 15, Jesus says something that 
is absolutely staggering when he's helping his disciples get ready for the cross. And uh, he talks about abiding and remaining in Jesus and don't wander off. And, and he says in John 15, verse 14, You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I've called you friends. For all things that I heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Jesus is saying here to stubborn people, and, and, the, and the first disciples were a mess. Can we all agree on that? They were not like superheroes. You don't have to be super Christian. Just be real, be honest, and say, Jesus, I need you. And abide in Jesus, and abide in his word, and abide in his love. And, and Jesus is telling these guys that are stubborn, all they can think about is themselves. Hey, can I be the greatest in the kingdom? Uh, you don't get it, right? You know, we're, <laughs> you know, we're supposed to be servants. Anyway, and John 15 says, I, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. And let me just say, doing his commands out of a heart of love is an incredible blessing. His commands are for you. His commands are for your good. Your, his commands are for your blessing. And they're also for your, for your protection. How many of you are like me? I need protection from stupid my name's Kevin. God protect me. I don't want to do stupid. I want to live wisely and live well. So we need his commands. His commands help us to know how to live so we're not just waffling all over the place trying to figure it out on our own. So his commands are good. We do his commands out of a heart of love. Did you hear me? We do it out of a heart of love, not guilt, fear, pressure, manipulation. Out of a heart of love, we love him. We, it's our privilege to do his command. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. So here's one way. I used to, for quite some time, I grew up with a performance mentality. I've got to get it right, do it right. And so one way you can look at the Christian life is I'm an employee, God's my boss, and I'd better get it right. Have you ever thought that way? I'd better get it right so life will turn out right. I want my prayers to be answered, and I need help with my finances or health or whatever. So if you have this employee mindset, you're going to struggle. And that's what a servant was like an employee. Here are the jobs. The boss doesn't tell employees. It's what he says right here. Don't tell the servants everything that's going on behind the scenes and in life. But now he says, I'm calling your friends, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you everything that the Father's told me. Now, this is pretty cool to think about. What the Father tells the Son says, I'm going to share it all with you. I'm going to let you in on what God's up to, let you behind the curtain, everything. We, we know that there's a spiritual battle going on in the world right now, don't we? we? We know that there's more than, hey, got bad politics or whatever. You know, we know we're in a supernatural battle and we know that we have supernatural resources. We've got the power of the Spirit, the Word of God. We've got each other. And God says, I'm going to let you in on what I'm doing. He gives us spiritual gifts. He gives us calling. He gives us passions, opportunities to serve. So here's what we do. We talk to him, and we listen. That's what happens in a friendship. There's two-way communication, right? In a, in a real friendship, you share the ups and downs. You can be honest, and that's one of the things about this church. You can be honest. You can say, I'm having a rough time, or I need help with something. You don't have to pretend. You don't have to pretend with God. And, and let me just let you in on a secret. Pretending with God, it ain't going to work, you know, because he already knows everything. So we might as well get honest and get real and, and get the healing and the growth that we that we need. But I, I love this picture, and I hope you receive this by faith and just say, thank you, thank you, Jesus, for calling me friend. Thank you, Jesus. What a privilege it is 
to be a friend of Jesus. Let me move on. Uh, I read a book on union in Christ and our identity in Christ and one illustration that I'll throw at you, and you can try it on for size. Christ in you makes you more like Spider-Man than Batman. Being in Christ makes you more like Spider-Man because Spider-Man, he got bitten by a spider, got an infection, and then he had superpowers, which is pretty cool you know, what, what, what he could do. It's because of this infection he was given. One, one writer calls being a Christian and being saved, uh, you've experienced the good infection. We've been infected with the love of Christ, and now it, now it changes everything. It's, it's the good infection uh, that we've been infected, and now we have new power. You are powerful. You, when you're filled with the Spirit, you are free, and if you live really free in Christ you'll be dangerous. You won't be worried about people pleasing. You won't be making every decision out of fear. You'll be making decisions out of a heart of love. Filled with the Spirit. Let it be, God, for your honor and glory. So this, when we're talking about identity, we're saying, God, help us to realize this new identity, this new life, and help me to live it by faith. Live it all, that it all doesn't just stay in the head. It changes the heart. It changes our relationships, and it defines us. On, on your good day and on your worst day, are you the same person or are you a different person? Depends, right? You ever get cranky? We need to help each other. But if you're in Christ, on your best day and on your worst day, he loves you the same. He sees you the same, clothed in the righteousness of Christ, a new creation in Christ. Let me move on. Number four, let's talk about the future. Because the way you look at the future impacts the way you live today. Turn with me to Ephesians 2.19, please. Ephesians 2.19, I am a citizen of heaven. Don't put all of your hopes in the United States of America. Don't put all your hopes in your job. Don't put all your hopes in uh, your kids. Don't put all of your hopes in your health. Put your hope in Christ. Your true and better home is in heaven. You are here... We forget this, and I forget it. We are short-timers here. We're, we're like a vapor. We're here and we're gone. We're living in a tent. So don't spend all your time on the tent. Spend your time setting your mind on things above and heaven and eternity, getting ready and helping other people get ready. Ephesians 2.19 says, Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but your fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. So our, our true family is here and in heaven. We've already read Ephesians 1 where you're already blessed with every blessing in Christ. So that's talking about heaven and eternity. All of our true blessings are in Christ. So now we're fellow citizens with all the saints. So we're fellow citizens with David and Moses and Deborah and Esther. Isn't that cool to think about? We're part of this great family. And our, I think of heaven as being the greatest family reunion ever. I can't wait. The greatest party ever, the greatest celebration ever. Go to Ephesians 3, and this one, I mean Philippians 3, this one makes it even clearer about our citizenship being in heaven. Philippians 3, 20 and 21. For our citizenship is in, say the next word with me, for our citizenship is in? What a blessing, isn't that? My true citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the reason I'm reading this is because we, we need this heavenly perspective. It's so easy to get discouraged with the here and now and just think this is it. But man, 
I mean, we got to think about eternity, our true citizenship. So we're eagerly waiting for Jesus. And I always wonder when I go to church on Sunday, I wonder sometime when we have church or communion, I always wonder, will this be the last time? You know, and that's going to be true sometime, right? At some point, it's going to be like, this is the last time. So every day is precious. But we want to have this heavenly perspective. Verse 21 says, Who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. So we are a resurrection people and we're going to get a resurrection body. You're going to get the body you've always wanted. I've got a six pack and it's covered by chocolate. It's a happy tummy. I like chocolate. I'm still a kid. I have to have my chocolate milk every night. It helps me. It helps my attitude. It helps my outlook. But we're citizens of heaven. And we're here for such a short time. How can we redeem the time, use it wisely, make a difference, and help as many people get ready? Get ready. Uh, if you're like me, whenever I've been somewhere great, I have to tell somebody about it. Anybody like me, when you go to a great restaurant or you go, I go to the Buffalo River hiking or I, I see, I go, I love waterfalls. So I go hiking, I go looking for waterfalls when I go to Colorado or, or I go to the Buffalo River or whatever. Man, I got to... If you want to see my pictures afterwards, I got pictures on my phone. But anyway, uh, but when you've experienced something great, don't you have to tell somebody about it? And it's, and it's kind of fun. It just, you know, multiplies the joy when you start telling somebody. Um, well, I hope that uh, you'll get your identity in Jesus and share it with somebody because you probably know somebody you need to text today, one of these verses, or maybe talk to your family. Let's get this nailed down. If you're not sure about somebody, uh, just ask him, so what do you believe about Jesus? Are you... Everybody here is going to die. It's 100%. So we've got to get ready. We've got to help people get ready. We don't like to talk about it, but we have to. If you love somebody, you talk about real issues. You talk about the real Jesus. So the application question, at your core, who are you really? Are you, are you your job? Are you? I mean, at your core, who are you? Are you a child of God? Are you? Child of the I love that. Don't you? I, that's one of my favorites, too, a child of the king. I got a lot of them, but that's one of my favorites, a child of the king. And now we live in the kingdom of God. And that's where we get our safety and security, living in the kingdom of God. So I hope you'll get it nailed down, share it with somebody. Brennan Manning, one of my favorite writers about grace, says this, God loves you unconditionally as you are and not as you should be. Satan's going to be wagging his finger the rest of your life. You should be better. You should be further along. You know, you should be nicer. God loves you unconditionally as you are right now, not as you should be, because none of us are as we should be. My name's Kevin. I'm still a work in progress. God has grace for me. He has grace for you. Let's love each other like crazy. Forgive each other. Any other identity will let you down. Any other identity will disappoint you at some point in time. And ultimately, any other identity will crush you. I'm 61. I'm fine with that. You know, I get to live for Jesus. So, you know, we live in a world of ageism. You know, we worry about so many superficial things. I hate the fact that in our country, women are judged by how much you weigh and what you look. We live in such a superficial world. Jesus is the reality. He is the real Jesus, the real Savior, the real friend. Get your life from Jesus, not from anything else. 
not from anyone else. Get it from Jesus. So what I'd like for you to do is just bow your head as you think about who Jesus is and your identity. I want to speak a couple more identity statements over. I hope you'll just take one away today. I've dealt with rejection. Here's a big one, Romans 15, 7. I am accepted in Christ. Now I accept others based on that acceptance. Another identity statement. Um, I am free from condemning charges against me, Romans 8, 31, 32. Romans 8, 35, and 36. I can never be separated from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. You are significant. I'm going to use the personal pronouns. I am salt and light for everyone around me. I am handpicked by Jesus to bear fruit, John 15, 6. Last one, Acts 1.8, I am a spirit-empowered witness of Christ. Lord Jesus, thank you for being a wonderful Savior and friend. Thank you, Jesus, that you paid our sin debt on the cross. You died in our place. You were buried. You rose again. Now you're seated at the right hand of the Father praying for every person here. I thank you that you reached down to save me. I pray if there's anybody here today that doesn't know you, that that they're not sure whether they know you, they're not sure about whether they're going to heaven, that today would be the day of salvation, that they would agree with you and say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin and save me. I want to be a part of your family and I want to follow you. I want to be free. Would you do that now by the power of your spirit? And I pray for every person here um, as they think about their identity, for those who are struggling I pray that they would hear the words of grace that you have grace for struggling people, that you love hurting people, and that your grace is sufficient for every need, for every person in this room. Help us by faith to take you at your word and to live the rest of our lives as your children, as your adopted, chosen, fully loved, beloved children. Help us to live as your friends. Help us to listen to you, Jesus, to pay attention to you, Jesus, to walk with you, Jesus, to become more like you every day by the power of your spirit and help us to have an eternal mindset, a kingdom mindset. Thank you that our true citizenship is in heaven and that no matter what we've been through in this world, you're going to redeem it. And uh, finally, there's going to come a day when we see you, Jesus, And we're going to worship you. And when we see you, we're going to be like you. And what a day that will be. So help us to live ready and help us to share this good news with other people because you love lost people. Would you help us to love lost people, love hurting people the way you do? For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And may the Lord bless you. And keep you. He's watching over you. May he meet your needs. We'll stay around and pray for you. Anybody has questions or needs, we're here for you. A lot of great people here. Thank you. Would you stand with me, please? Mystery of the cross I cannot comprehend The agonies of Calvary 
You, the perfect Holy One, crushed your Son, who drank the bitter cup reserved for me. Your blood has washed away my sin, Jesus, thank you. The Father's wrath completely satisfied, Jesus, thank you. Once your enemy, now seated at your table, Jesus, thank By your perfect sacrifice I've been brought me your enemy you pouring out the riches of your glorious grace your mercy and your kindness know no end your blood has washed away my sin Jesus, thank you. The Father's wrath completely satisfied. Jesus, thank you. Once your enemy, now seated at your table. Jesus, thank you. I want to live Father of my soul I want to live Your blood has washed away my sin, Jesus, thank you. The Father's wrath completely satisfied, Jesus, thank you. Your blood has washed away my sin, Jesus, thank you. The Father's wrath completely satisfied, Jesus, thank you your enemy now seated at your table Jesus thank you 
One more announcement, and you probably saw it in your bulletin, but next Sunday, Marty and Lydia Clayton will be here. They're coming from Florida. He's a potential new associate pastor. And I'll just read what it says here. Next Sunday, bring your own lunch after church to visit with our prospective associate pastor. The church will provide tea, water, coffee, and cookies. And then after lunch, there will be, uh, we'll have some cornhole games and ice cream. So next Sunday. And our benediction verses for today are from Hebrews chapter 13, verses 20 and 21. Now the God of peace, who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord, equip you in every good thing to do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed. <laughs>